As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Summer is here and there's nothing worse than being cooped up inside with administrative work while everyone else is outside enjoying their summer. My advice? Let Jane lend a helping hand. Jane is the all-in-one practice management software that I love and use in my own practice, Vancouver Wellness Studio. There are a few ways you can automate workflows in Jane so that you can get your admin tasks done faster than ever. One of the most helpful ways is with automated reminders. This is a simple and easy way for you to reduce the admin work involved with calling clients before a session. And it can reduce the likelihood of no-shows too, meaning your schedule is full and your clients get the help they need. If you'd like to learn more about Jane, head to jane.app. There you can book your own personalized tour with a member of their team. You can also mention the Wellness Center Creators Podcast at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Ron Morris, who has had a very exciting entrepreneurial life. Uh, he's been a filmmaker, uh, was a filmmaker for 20 years, a writer, a uh, pilot for American Airlines for 35 years, and most recently, co-founder of Jill's Crackers. And he also happens to be my dad. So welcome to the show. Hi, Kendall. Thanks for having me. So you're here today to talk about business and helping out our listeners with specifically with business plans. So I'm curious if we could jump into business planning and first of all, why it's important. Sure. You think of a business plan like it's a, a script for a movie or a foundation for a house. You just can't build a successful business without it. And you will refer back to it regularly, and you'll use it to measure benchmarks as your business grows. And um, when I first saw a business plan, when I was a corporate pilot, the company was about an inch thick, and it was awful. I never thought I could produce something like that. And the truth is, you don't have to. You just have to scale it to your business. But they all contain like items. First is an executive summary. It just has a, a one-page summary of everything that's about to follow. That's so someone who's looking at your business from the outside could get a quick glimpse uh, of exactly what you're planning to do. And then there's your business description. And I love this part because it forces us as entrepreneurs to look in the mirror and say, what exactly are we hoping to do? And we have to write it out not only for someone else to read, but we have to write it out for ourselves to read. And it's one of those aha moments where we 
we start making choices about what we think we can and cannot do. Um, it's followed by a market analysis and a strategy. We all need to look at what's around us, the community we're hoping to be in, what it service or, or product that we're selling, and, and how we hope to get it to the end user or the community. And that's a pretty important part. There's the marketing and sales plan, because uh, unless we tell someone what we're doing, it's, it's hard to gather a customer base. So we have to know what we're doing there, be it uh, social media, print, etc. We always have to do a competitive analysis. We have to look at what's around us in the community and, and say, are we trying to do something that's, that's being done all over? And, and if so, is ours unique enough to grab the market share that we're hoping for? Uh, management and organization description. When you're a young entrepreneur or a, a new entrepreneur, that can be pretty short. It can be just yourself or yourself and one or two others. But you do need to describe, you know, what everyone's planning on doing in the business. There's a product and services description. Exactly. What are you hoping to accomplish? What is your business going to offer? Exactly. And this is the point at where you've got to be pretty careful about what you're hoping to offer and, and it sounds uh, obtainable. And then there's an operating plan, which is a nuts and bolts from the beginning. How is all this going to work out from day one? What are we hoping to accomplish you know, as we go down the road? And then, of course, you need to think about who is going to see your business plan be it uh, an investor perhaps or just others that are interested in joining you in the business. So it's very important that the business plan become that solid foundation for the future. Absolutely. And I would add briefly to that, you know, when you're thinking about who might see your business plan, even when you're looking at uh, leasing a commercial space for your business, most of the time, the landlord will want to see your business plan and see what uh, how you're going to be able to afford the, the lease. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Absolutely. So let's say someone is just starting out. What are some realistic goals and objectives that you would share with them? Sure. The, the key is to start small and keep it simple. We all make mistakes when we start a new business. We can't foresee everything. So you want to take those risks and make those mistakes while you're still fairly small and, and um, your risk is small. So most important thing, I mean, we all shoot for the sky and uh, hit for the fence when we are imagining what our business can do. But we have to break it down and take a little chunk to get started and, and add employees very carefully. Remember that there has to be the business income to support uh, the business costs. So I would say tread carefully on that. Get, accomplish all you can, but always bring on the help you need. And I'd say with last, we tend to be too optimistic about revenue and and not quite strict enough about costs. And uh, <laughs> and I'm as guilty over my life of entrepreneurship as everyone else. And uh, so there's always a rule about looking at uh, at your revenue and you know maybe cutting it in half and looking at your costs and doubling them. And when you get started, so that's. I would say that's the probably the best piece of advice is just be very cautious about 
what you think that the business can can do and then what it's probably going to cost. Cautiously optimistic, I like to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think about preparing for growth? So let's say someone's they've gotten started, they've got about, you know, a good foundation. Maybe they've started hiring a few employees. How can they prepare for growth of their business? Well, growth is a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. And it it mostly boils down to a few things. One, considering the cost. What is it going to cost you to grow? And do you have the revenue to support additional employees? And then can you continue to keep your quality of service there You know, as the new employees come on? You want them to mirror your philosophies, and that takes time. So again, back to the last question, uh, that cautious growth. And um, and a, a big part of your business plan is your what customer base will you expect to have? And here's where you go. When you're preparing for growth, do you have the customer base to support your growth? Uh, many times you'll see uh, in the case of perhaps a wellness center that it's uh, appointments are filling up and you know should you continue to grow and add you know more staffing etc and just take a hard look at at what's around you in the community and, and just make sure you have the uh, uh the customer base to support it absolutely and you know in our business in the health and wellness industry it's very common and i think in any business right there it can be seasonal there's ups and downs of amount of referrals coming in. And so that also takes time to learn in something like a wellness center of different parts of the year when things like massage are more popular in the fall and winter. Um, is that sort of the high season? But then mental health counseling, you have other, you know, you have ups and downs throughout the year of referrals coming in, and then summer might dip down because everyone's on vacation and things like that. And so you start to learn okay, maybe your massage therapist is getting full, but let's look at the next few months and is it going to be a high season or a low season uh, before you go ahead and hire that next provider? That's that's a great point. And uh, it, it falls into that uh, preparing for growth. And it's, it's called the learning curve that all the companies have. And it, it takes a little while you, uh, to have a learning curve. You have to do the learning. So always uh, proceed cautiously. Good point. (laughs) So let's talk about preparing for a downturn in your business, because I think there's a lot of talk, especially uh, present day in the present moment about about the state of things. Um, So how would you advise a business to prepare for a downturn? And I think you know, before COVID, a lot of small business owners weren't necessarily thinking about this and planning for it. And and now COVID has taught many of us a big lesson about that. But what would you advise? Well, it's true, except for Bill Gates, no one saw the, the pandemic coming. And so it would have helped a lot of entrepreneurs to have a plan B, and many did, but uh, you have to can always have a strategy of another direction and a plan B. You have to have flexibility in your business. And it really helps if you go back through your business plan and, and do a lot of what ifs. What if there was a pandemic? What if there was a serious recession? And the higher end customer 
is not wanting to spend uh, what they normally do. And, um, you know, just you have to keep a reserve fund for a rainy day. That's probably the best advice is, is have that cash available or a way to, to have a reserve fund to get, to get the necessary cash. Because customers leave, employees leave, things happen, uh, even on a smaller scale. But always have a plan B and keep that in mind. I think that's one of the biggest lessons for small business owners that I've experienced and that I've seen in working with clients is this idea of of employees leaving and staff leaving. And I think when you're first starting out, just like we can be so hopeful about, you know, how much revenue we're going to be bringing in. We also can feel like, oh, well, this we hired this person. They're a great fit and they'll just stay forever. I don't really have a plan for when they leave. And then it's surprising when they do. And so just knowing that it's common and will happen. And that's where your systems come into place and having plans for that and really expecting that to happen will help things go a lot more smoothly. Good points. Hey there, this is Katie from Jane. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software with features that can help you manage and grow your practice. Some of those features include Jane's client-friendly online booking, integrated one-on-one telehealth, and our unified payment solution that makes it easy to process payments in person or online. And not to toot our own horn, but we have a ridiculously good support team who is here for you in every step of your journey. You can call us, email us, or chat with us. Support is unlimited, so take advantage of it. Head to jane.app to connect with a member of our team. Or if you're ready to get started with Jane, mention the Wellness Center Creators Podcast for a one-month grace period applied to your new account. Talk soon. So let's talk about being a leader. And I know you love talking about being a leader and being an enthusiastic leader specifically. So tell us more about that. Well, no ship or airline flight uh, leaves without a captain. And that captain is you, the entrepreneur and the founder of your wellness center. And remember that you're telling the local community that your wellness center is a benefit. And uh, you will become a salesperson, a motivational speaker, a counselor. And you, you need to be ready to handle, smoothly handle issues and keep the troops focused. And you'll find that these things come up from day one. As soon as your business plan is complete and you're off and running, you will get daily challenges. And your team and your community will look to you to keep that smile on your face, even when it's getting tough, and continue to support others and um, be enthusiastic around your team because they look to you to know really how you feel your business is doing. So we want to, you want to keep up, you know, that, uh, that happy look and, and always present that to everyone else. Because if you, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And uh, your team will believe you. And of course, nothing, Nothing succeeds like results. And so uh, when you have that good spirit, you will have good results. I think our listeners are getting a good idea at this point of um, where I got my entrepreneurial and leadership spirit from. <laughs> these, these are the messages that I heard as a small child. So, 
Um, yes. I okay. Remember. So I would love if you could share, <laughs> I would love if you could share more about your Jill's crackers story and journey, because this company really was built from the ground up and became, became a U.S. wide company. And so um, if you could tell us just more about that story and sort of the, the important pieces for you. Sure. Well, it's, it's about as uh, ground up as you can get. Jill uh, was actually making, she wanted to make a gluten-free snack for me because I, I'm gluten intolerant. And so she would, she found an old family recipe and added her embellishments and made some gluten-free dough, which sticks to everything. Of course, it's a new, it's a new world. And she rolled these out on the counter and sliced them into squares with a knife and put them in the oven. And they were fantastic. And the friends loved them. And we were both in a position where we, we felt like uh, we, we wanted to do something. So we were encouraged to, you know, maybe take them to the farmer's market and try them out. But it's not quite that simple. Uh, you have to actually make these in a certified, you know, commercial kitchen. And it, 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 there's a lot of legal hurdles to jump before you can offer someone a food product. But we did. Uh, I took on the operations and the design of equipment to be able to make, you know, gluten-free dough. And uh, Jill took on the uh, sales and marketing side. And so we found a way uh, in a commercial kitchen, leased some space and took the crackers to the Ojai Farmers Market. And we sold out the first weekend. And we sold out every weekend after that, every cracker we could make. And so uh, local stores started stocking the product. And, and here was our first good problem. How do we continue to, how do we f fill all these orders? That's our first big problem. And so we actually leased our own factory. We're doing all this on our own personal credit cards, by the way, because <laughs> nobody loans you money when you're a brand new entrepreneur with just an idea. So we, we leased a building, outfitted it, you know, with machines that I had to design because the dough sticks to everything. And we started supplying more stores. And then the Whole Foods uh, forager came to the farmer's market and said, you guys look great. <laughs> How would you like to be in Whole Foods? And we said no, because the packaging wasn't ready and we weren't ready to supply them. So about six months later, we managed to get our production up and our, you know, better logo, et cetera. And they put us in a few stores and then uh, that exploded. We couldn't keep up with the demand from Whole Foods. So we added employees. We went into the next building and uh, we doubled the equipment, doubled the staff. And unbelievably, two years later, we were actually holding our own, made a very small profit. But then Whole Foods said, we're going to give you 50 stores and then 100 stores. And then <laughs> they, uh, they said, we're going to take you nationwide in 2018. That scaling a business like that is really something you certainly can't do it on a couple of family credit cards. So investors came in and we leased a 40,000 square foot factory and put in a 120 foot tunnel oven. And basically we went from 15 cases a day to producing 750 cases a day. 
And then Costco came in and um, they wanted us and Trader Joe's wanted us nationwide. <laughs> and uh, so we got to the point where our second big problem, um, how do we add another oven and another line, et cetera. And, and, and the story went on from there. But in, in, it was 2013, we went national in 2018, which is pretty fast for a food product to go national with Whole Foods. So the story continues. and. There was a lot of satisfaction in being able to accomplish that and, and also provide a gluten-free cracker that people loved and, and uh, were always interested in buying. So, yeah, that's pretty much how it went. I love that story. And, and I think for me as your daughter and watching you do this and having it be so successful, but it was also very organic. It was really from the ground up. And I think one of the most satisfying parts for me was that when people would find out that you co-founded the company <laughs> and they would be eating the cracker at our wellness center <laughs> and then they would be so excited that, to find out that you you, uh, that it's, it was your and Jill's cracker. Um, so it's a beautiful story and also a lot of lessons about scaling and what that actually means. And one part that I want to highlight from your story that I think was so smart is that you actually said no to Whole Foods at first to make sure that you were ready. And that decision made it that much more successful when you did go into Whole Foods because um, you were equipped to take on the scaling. Exactly. And, and I just wanted to make one more point that I could have made along the way is that you can't do this alone you'll find out immediately that uh, you need help and it's best to get good help, especially with accounting and things like that to get, you know, off to a good start and get everything right. But uh, always just don't try and do too much by yourself. So before we close today, I'd love if you could share with the listeners just a bit about more about your personal story of entrepreneurship, because Jill's Crackers is a big success story and there were some along the way that weren't so successful. So I'd love if you could just share sort of the reality of entrepreneurship and your story. Sure. Yes, there were as many failures as there were successes. And that's that's okay. That's how we learn. Uh, I started off pretty young at 14. I got uh, started a little business selling Christmas products door to door with my girlfriend. And um, in high school, I... Um, I got interested in this art form known as copper enamel jewelry. And I would sit there at my kitchen table and make, you know, these beaded necklaces and sell them at school to my friends. Later on, after college, I wanted to get my flying hours up so I could qualify to go to the airline. So I started a, an aircraft charter service. I, I didn't have an airplane and I didn't even have a an air ch a charter license. So I had to do all of that and find the airplane and do a triple net lease on it, et cetera, et cetera. So it started off pretty small, but interestingly enough, one of my customers was building out the, the wind power industry in Southern California. He's probably now the most famous wind entrepreneur in the world, Jim Dielsen, but they hired me and then uh, asked me to let the uh, turn the, charter service over to another fellow, which was happy to have it. And uh, I went on and became the uh, pilot for uh, Zon Systems. 
along the way, I sold aircraft for Cessna uh, to build flying time. I started a little photography company because uh, I always had a camera in my hand. And, uh, you know, I uh, had a flying career started and then and then moved on to something as large as, as Jill's Crackers. And that sort of brings us up to today. Well, I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story and sharing your words of wisdom with our listeners. I wonder if there's one one piece of advice, one nugget that feels important that you want to uh, just pass along to our listeners before we close. Absolutely. If you if you have the entrepreneurial spirit, then listen to your gut and move forward. There'll be lots of folks out there that'll tell you how hard a time you're going to have and how many hurdles you have to jump. Uh, Some of them can even be pretty close to you. But listen to yourself, write a business plan, and move forward and be an entrepreneur if that's what you truly want to be. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you and thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show, anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.